And we were waiting on the captain of the boat, crew boat, to come out because he was going out on the boat. But he was delayed getting here because of uh, him, for some reason, I don't remember what it was. But anyway, so we decided to just sit in the car and wait it out. And uh, it went from daylight, it started getting dark in the afternoon. And uh, that's went over in that west direction, right back over in that way. That bridge there wasn't there. And um, I've noticed a blue light come up in the sky over there. And then I seen it start going. It was following the river bank, the river here. And it would go so far down, and then it would turn around, and it would come back. And it wouldn't get past from where they were abducted, uh, Parker and Hickman. And so and then it would go back, and it did that several times. And then sometimes it would just sit there. And then finally it just, I didn't see it anymore. And he said, well, let's go on down and I'll put my clothes on the uh, boat because the captain should be here shortly, maybe. So we went on and started walking down, which was used to be a pier right there. Right. And we started walking down the pier and that's when we, we heard, he was ahead of me walking. And that's when I heard a loud, splash like something splashed in the water and uh, right after he stopped and I stopped and I said what was that and uh, he, so he, he just kept right on walking but I stood there and I noticed that something was on the side of the beer look on the side of the, the pier while I was standing it looked like a, a person in the water and I told him I said there's somebody out there and he said oh come on ain't nobody out there so I noticed that something come up and I could see it when they come up to the surface come up to the surface of the water and then it just disappeared. It looked like a it looked like a person out there. So I mean I'm looking right down at it because I'm standing on the pier and right below is where I seen it, right below me. And so it just disappeared in the water and I told him, I said, there's some you know, there's somebody out there, I'm gonna wait and see if they come back up. I said, if they went down, they gotta come back up. But I'm not thinking alien. I'm thinking people, you know. It just like I did with the UFO, I'm thinking plane. Because I told him when I seen that, that there was that plane. Act, saw it. Yeah, I, said, I told him, I said, that plane don't act like it knows where it I, wants to go. I said, at first it was plane, then the maneuvers it was making. I said, that, that's a helicopter because he, a plane can't stop like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so yeah. anyway, that's what I told him when we were sitting in the car, that the plane act like it was lost because it kept, you know, kept going, and planes don't act like that. They don't go in one place and then turn around and come back and like that. But anyway, going back to the bridge, he walked on down the bridge, and I, he kept telling me to come on, and I told him, I said, no, I'm gonna wait to see if they come back up. And I stood there waiting, and uh, I never did see anything come back up. But I know what I seen that night, it wasn't, it looked like a person in the water. So it was right below me the woman water. that you're hearing, um, her name is Maria Blair, and after Calvin wrote his book and got it published in 2018, uh, she is one of many who came forward um, and said that they witnessed the same UFO that night on October 11th, 1973. Um, I, I don't want to get too much um, into this subject about other witnesses. Um,
you know, once uh, Calvin wrote his book, um, several people came forward um, alleging that, you know, they had seen the craft and the abduction. Uh, Maria and her husband, for instance, uh, were apparently on the other side of the river and saw the UFO and actually saw the abduction. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe them. I do believe them. Um, But I also, I can't say that they're telling the truth. Um, Maria, I, I, I can believe Maria. Um, some of the other witnesses that, um, you know, have come out of the woodworks, um, 45 years after this happened, um, you know, they've had all the time in the world to come forward. Um, yes, you know, a lot of them say, well, people would have thought I was crazy, especially Maria. You know, she says her husband was the one that, you know, uh, really convinced her not to say anything because, you know, he kept telling her, they're going to think you're crazy. Don't don't tell anybody. Uh, and I get it. It's 1973. Um, but, you know, these people had time to read Charlie's book. Uh, then they read Calvin's book. They, You know, there's been countless news stories and, uh, you know, exclusives on, on the abduction. They could have... Who's to say that they didn't just come forward because this guy wrote a book and now they're going to try to get a piece of this uh, publicity or attention or whatever. Oh, yeah, I saw it too. And some would argue, well, their accounts are, you know, similar and very consistent with Charlie and Calvin's accounts. Well, of course they are. They read about the, they read about Charlie and Calvin's accounts. They, you know, listened to the news stories and interviews. I mean, how could they not be similar? What I will say and what I do want to mention uh, about other witnesses that I do find credible is that on the same night, October 11th, 1973, there were other witnesses that had no idea about Charlie or Calvin that went to the police or called the police and made reports about a UFO with blue lights that was that was seen and sighted in the same area where the UFO abducted uh, Charlie and Calvin. So, you know, that's the main thing I wanted to bring up there, is that there are reports and and what are seemingly credible uh, witnesses that saw something the same night in the same area. And um, I think, I just want to mention that because I think that just adds to the credibility of this story. Welcome to part three of the Pascagoula incident. Thank you so much for sticking with me this far. Um, You know, in this episode, um, I've already talked about um, some other witnesses that came forward. Um, I don't want to go into that too much. Um, I've already discussed why. Um, This next section will be uh, some speculations and conclusions. Thankfully, I had my buddy Nathan, a.k.a. Nate Dog, here. Um, well, he wasn't here. He was on the phone, but, um, I don't want anybody thinking that I'm not social distancing in these strange coronavirus quarantine times, such strange times we're living in. I hope this podcast is, um, bringing you joy. And if, 
you know, if anything, just breaking up the monotony and possible boredom you may have at home. <laughs> um, but no, me and Nathan, you know, I think we have a great discussion. We just bounce ideas off of each other and, um, you know, really kind of discuss, you know, our theories and just speculate on what happened and why it happened and who these beings are. And uh, Nathan, um, you know, he... He is my best friend since birth, and he is my number one go-to guy for discussing uh, these types of things. So I think you'll really enjoy that. Um, after that, we have um, an interview with the man himself, Calvin Parker. So strap in, tune your frequency to the strange, because this is parasensory. Okay. Well, we are live now. Uh, okay. I got Nate Dog here with me, Nate Nathan. Dog. Nate Dog, and uh, we're we're gonna kind of speculate. Um, you know, Nathan. Uh, we, me and Nathan, have both, um, you know, speculated over this thing. We've talked about it extensively ever since I started the research. It's so ridiculously interesting. Uh, Nate Dog, give me your thoughts in general. I was thinking of uh, like us just looking at it in the beginning as a, a whole general, just approaching all of it from a bird's eye view, just because like you said, there's just so much information to, to begin with. So I, I'm going to start with the first, the first thing, which is they remember, which is the, the first night in the seventies. What, what was it? 72? Uh, 1973. Uh-huh. 73. So in 73, you know, they had their first event. And uh, growing up where we grow up, grew up, knowing what it's like down here, I'm still down here, you know, 30 miles mm -hmm. away from where this happened. Right. Um, you just know the people down here, especially in the 70s, none of them. It's like they would never have just been sitting in that boat or even planned this beforehand and said, hey, you, you want to go to the local police office and, and fuck with them and then – turn around and call Keesler Air Force Base and fuck with Keesler Air Force Base and <laughs> tell them a story about aliens because, you know, a church on Sunday is, is not interesting enough. You know, that's just not what, what anyone down here would do. Right. And so do they believe that this first event, this first thing happened to them? Yes, they, they do believe it. Now, could yeah. they have gotten swept up into the whole UFO phenomenon thing that's was really heavy then and continues on to this day. And that's where, you know, they've had books and other things written. Could that have, you know, influenced everything that happened afterwards? Sure. I don't know. But, um, do they believe something happened to them on that first night? Yes. And you know, the tape, when you play it and you hear the officers talk about what they believed it, they believed them. And so the off, you know, people down here, you know, they're, they're more apt to to be truthful when it comes to that kind of stuff. They're not going to make up something and go waste the first off, you know, the taxpayers' money. But second off, they're also just not going to lie and fuck around. So it's interesting enough that they believe this happened. Now you can speculate all day long. Uh, 
what what did happen mm-hmm. you know but i guess at the same time the strange thing about it is everyone who has these things happen to them they all follow these similar kind of pattern of events to what what happens you know mm-hmm. um this at least just looking at the first event the abduction itself to everything from there being different kinds of um people that bring them on board of the craft to the the silence it being silent to um uh, hang on i'm getting summoned by the wife oh, you're okay <laughs> <laughs> hang on one second okay no problem i'll be right back yes and now we're okay. back <laughs> i figured just roll with it while we can yeah um, exactly got roman with me but roman might have a good opinion on what happened yeah by the way um nate dog is um cooking shish kebabs and taking care of two kids while his <laughs> wife, wife tries to rest so just throw that out uh, that's all right yeah roman's simmering right now so it's a good chance to yeah to, so i guess where i left off though i was talking about um the similarities. What, what happened? The similarities. Yes. Yeah, they, consistencies. First off, uh, the first beings were very kind of featureless. They, the wrinkles are similar, which is very interesting. Like the same wrinkles that um, they talk about the second race of aliens having the the woman and um, the men, the man that uh, abducted. We later found out that was uh, Charlie, oh, Charlie who saw the men. Right. Correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, it's it's interesting to to a that there's similarities between their story and other people's stories but this wasn't so common back then people weren't going around talking about this like now you know oh yeah and so it's it adds credibility i feel like Mm. personally to to their experience of what happened and um i don't want to try to explain what the whole phenomenon is in general i mean we could go into a talk about that and talk about it forever but man yeah well what what they experienced it's the craziest thing to uh move beyond that first night and say that this isn't something that just happened once this is something that happened throughout their entire lives and and mm-hmm. the, the stuff that this happens to what we're finding out is the, the people it's not, it's more like that it's not a one time event it's something that happens throughout their entire lives and it it also links up with even the synchronicities like we talked about it right. links up with um other things i feel like personally other or if you want to say uh high strangeness you know other things in that area mm-hmm. paranormal uh, I, think, I feel like all these stem from from a similar place and so um yeah what they experience is is a part of a larger thing i think a, a lot of people are experiencing for sure um, and you mentioned, you know, um, e- even if what they say happened, you know, wasn't quite what exactly happened. I mean, who knows what happened? Only they do. But the fact that, um, you know, I- I'm with you, I believe that something did happen. And and I think I mentioned to you before, and I mentioned in part one, you know, my brother worked for the Pascagoula Sheriff's uh, Office for 22 years. And he remembers working, you know, uh, he started working there, I think, in the early 90s. And there were still some huh. old timers there that were there when Charlie and, and Calvin came and gave their report. And, really? Uh, yeah. And he even says that, you know, uh, you know, we it, it got brought up a few times with those old timers. And, that you know, what the old timers would say was, uh, man, you know, we don't know what happened to those boys, but they were shook up. Something huh. something happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've never and, seen grown men like that before. 
that's the other side of it too. I, you know, the, it's always people who go through this are always real shaken up, real scared. You know, it, it's not a, it's not a something that I don't know if we just, it's because we can't comprehend it, but um, I wanted to bounce that idea off of you too. The, these, when this happens, is this, is there a malevolence about it? They talk about it being strictly business. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. So when they say, Hey, we're not here to hurt you. Don't worry. Is that strictly just to placate us to calm us down so they can do whatever it is they're doing or are they truly not there to, you know what I mean? To hurt to hurt or to, to inflict pain on purpose. I don't feel like that's why they're there is to, to hurt people on purpose, especially mm-hmm. why would they follow people throughout their whole lifetime to hurt them, you know? Right. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of like the concept of, um, you know, I, I've heard the concept many times where like, if such an advanced race came to try to, you know, communicate or, or do whatever with us, um, contact us, you know, in a way, I, I don't agree with this full, full, um, I don't agree with this 100%, but I've heard the example of it's like us trying to communicate with ants. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, do I, I see it more as um, us trying to communicate with, like, a dog. You know, you take a dog to the vet to get its nails clipped or to get a tooth removed or, or whatever, and we are not, you know, we're trying to communicate with that dog. Look, hey, I'm trying to help you. I care for you. I'm doing this for your own good, but I'm sure to to them it's like, no, you're not. You're, you know, you're you're hurting me. <laughs> yeah. Even to the mentality of a, not even a dog, also a child, it would be similar. You know what I mean? Yes. Trying to explain, hey, you have to go in and get this surgery mm-hmm. done, and 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 you're, you're talking a two or three year old that yeah, they're writhing. Even a what you and I do for a living, an ultrasound, trying to get a two or three year old to sit still. Oh my and god! Yeah. Explain to them that hey, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to touch you with this cold gel. You just have right. to sit still, and they still end up writhing and screaming, and you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and you're and and we are communicating with that child. I, I'm not I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not mm. trying to cause harm. But mm-hmm. just like you said, as as doing ultrasounds, you know, we're there to do a job, though. That's our job. And you know, and we'll we'll hear. It, I think I mentioned it in part two, but of course we'll hear Calvin here in a little bit with my interview with him. That's exactly mm. what he explains. He said, you know, that that woman. No matter what, how she acted or what happened, whatever interactions we had, he says that he just ultimately feels like she was there to do a job. That's it. Yeah, no, she was there. Yeah, all business. Whatever that job was, it, what, I think a lot of it has to do with probably DNA, since it's always something to do with blood, and and mm-hmm. not to mention that, but also like you mentioned them, the hand, uh, them both getting. Something impl- I feel like there's yeah. implants and other things too mm-hmm. that are part of it, but right seems you know, very <sighs> official and very uh, methodical. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when you hear about Charlie's experiences and Calvin's experiences, it just seems so. Whatever they're doing is very methodical and planned out, and and like mm-hmm. and if you notice, especially with Charlie's incidences when he was little, like those guys were in and out like let's get in let's do what we got to do yes. and let's let's get you know 
And, and that kind of segues also into what we talk about, too, about it being, okay, so since it's throughout their entire lifetime, perhaps these beings are timeless. And so to them, yes. it would be instant. They can appear through, you know, to us, it's over the course of, a, you know, 60, 70 years that this is happening. But this could have been something they planned to do. And it was a sequence of events done one, two, three, four, five. You know what I mean? One right. back to back to back to back. Mm-hmm. And uh, to us, it seemed like a whole lifetime of events, but that would be why it was so pre-planned and like it was because we're going to go to this point in time. We're going to do this on this night while they're doing this. We're going to go to this point in time and follow yeah. up and, you know, something I even told, but the idea of, um, you know, they are taking blood in one of them. You mentioned like it yes. seems like they're taking blood and replacing it with something else. Right, well, right. Well, what if what if one of the later visits they came later was to remove what they had placed and so they needed someone who is in time in a third dimensional space or fourth dimensional space traveling through time, you know, and matter and they had to put this in someone so it could age and then take it but since they are, you know, timeless, they don't have a way. You know what I mean? It, yeah. it, I guess you could speculate forever, but but anyway, that was another concept that popped into my mind too was uh the Putting things in and taking things like that is is one of one of the reasons why. Right. No. Yeah. That. I mean, and that's an excellent segue into kind of. I think we could both agree. Like both of our speculations uh, involve that they are not exactly extraterrestrial creatures, but more. You know, if we want to be as open minded as we can, which I mean, we have no option. We're talking about people who have been abducted by foreign unknown creatures you, you we right. have to be you know pretty <laughs> fucking open-minded but you know just the fact that it's already been mathematically proven that there are other dimensions that are higher than our own three-dimensional uh plane of reality you know in fact mathematically it's been proven that there are at least 11 dimensions and the reason that they stop at 11 is because it doesn't mathematically make sense to have any higher dimensions than than 11. Um, really? Yeah. And so, you know, and, and, and with the variables that make up these dimensions, uh, of course, in one of them, uh, time would not be exist. And, you know, just like you said, and I, like we've talked about before, um, I, I and I personally believe that man maybe these things are timeless they they come from a dimension where time just does not exist and you know they found a way to to reach down i can't remember the scientist uh i can't remember his name but he talks about time a lot you might remember his name but he gave the example of like if we were to go from third dimension to fourth dimension it would be like a fish being taken out of its pond you know a fish it's it's in water it breathes in you know water um it has these boundaries which are the boundaries of the pond um you know it's so that means there's limited space and again it it only way it can breathe is in water um and then all of a sudden it's taken out of the pond and it's you know now there's infinite space around it there's this (laughs) giant being that's holding it (laughs) You know, and it, and that giant right. being is breathing without water. You know, it, it it has no idea how to comprehend what is happening, you know. And so it's like these beings have, you know, when they're abducting us, um, you know, it's like they're grabbing that fish and taking it out of the pond and, and uh, 
you know, doing whatever. You know, the way we we can react is to flip the fuck out, freak out, because we have no <laughs> exactly. way of grasping the concept of what yeah. we're experiencing, of digesting it in, in any way we can understand. Yeah, that's precisely yeah. it. Yeah, you know, our the, the way that you know they describe how the craft was silent, how it was floating, how they floated aboard, um, how the creatures, you know, didn't walk and they floated. Um, how it seemed that the being uh, communicated with Calvin telepathically, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff is just like a fish looking at this giant being holding it, breathing without water in this space that it's never seen before. I mean, it's it's a perfect um, uh, comparison. You know, we we just wouldn't know how to explain how they're doing right. this stuff. Right. Then you, then for some people, yeah, you take the fish and you plop it back into the pond and the fish is like, oh shit, well, here I am back in the pond. What, what the fuck just happened to me? <laughs> yeah. What you does know? the fish tell its friends, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does it explain it? <laughs> <laughs> and all the other fish look at it like, oh God, Larry's going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that our fish is named Larry. Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Larry the fish. But yeah, that's kind of my speculation. It, it, you know, you have to be open-minded enough to um, to think of it that way. That that they're possibly that this goes beyond. I believe this goes beyond extraterrestrial. This is more of an interdimensional being. Right. This isn't just someone from another planet that hopped in a spaceship and flew here mm-hmm. through an empty space and past stars and galaxies and came to our planet. This is someone who or something that, you know, is beyond our our concept of understanding, like you said, through inter, in between the worlds. And they might even have different physics operate on a totally different, you know, exactly uh, form of mathematics for all we know. Right, and the reason that they come, you know, who knows? I, you know, you could like we talk about, we can make up reasons why they come, but there are concrete things that seem to always stand out. One being, uh, we mentioned fear or emotion mm-hmm. in general. Um, that seems to always play a part, which is funny because a lot of other things, like you, you mentioned the shadow walker, shadow people. You know what I mean? They right. they seem to feed on fear. That seems to be the, one of the reasons that they come into existence and. Mm-hmm. Also, um, seems to like DNA is always involved, whether it's through not to laugh, but erectile probing all the way through taking blood samples, semen samples, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cattle mutilations that always seems to be something that is, you know, follows along these same path, right. which to me, um, goes to touch note of it being strictly business like we talk about we are no different than the cattle that they're picking up in their mind you know what i mean they're telling the cow the same thing i'm not here to hurt you you know yeah. um <laughs> i'm so. just gonna suck your entrails out uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also like we said you the reason they're specifically uh they did this event um is super super interesting in the fact mm-hmm. that it these are two people that just wouldn't make this up and it's followed them apparently throughout their entire lives and so you know the why is even the what is hard to con to grasp the concept of so the why you're never really going to grasp the concept of but um the what what happened to them you know is is something that uh I don't even think to this day, even they have a clue. I, I hate right. that um, 
it was Charlie who they came that last time and wanted him to get on board the ship. And his family was so scared that he, he didn't get to, to get onto the ship or at least to approach it and see, I wonder what that experience would have been. What, what would have happened then? Um, yeah. And, and what he would have learned or what they would have said uh, mm-hmm. that I feel like it, I really, I wonder if he regretted that and missed it. Felt like he missed out. Oh, he um, most definitely did. Yeah. According to his book, he really severely regretted it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I'm pretty sure if he was left to his own devices, he would have punched his wife in the face and like, and, and <laughs> I have to get on the fucking ship. Yeah. Exactly. Look, do you see that thing? <laughs> like if he could do it all over again, he would punch her <laughs> square in the nose and and dive into that that craft. Yeah. And they but, did tell him they would be back. So I wonder if he did ever see him again, but he never got the chance to go right. through the hypnotherapy to see if it did happen, you know. And I'm or wondering what? too if he just um if he's just not telling, like, you know, because a lot of people believe Charlie was crazy. And I, I almost speculate that Charlie may have had subsequent, more subsequent experiences that he just chose. You know what? I'm not going to tell anybody. You all think I'm crazy. people think I'm crazy. Yeah. And yeah. So I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. And, um, but, you know, you bring up something interesting about, you know, what would have happened if he did go in the craft. Um, something that uh, his co-author, uh, William Mendez, mentions is that uh, maybe the these beings, you know, used Charlie as like the example of, I'm going to butcher this explanation, but... Um, that he was saying that maybe the beings use Charlie as an example of all of man. You know, we're going to, we're going to visit this guy. We're going to communicate with this guy. We're going to abduct this guy. We're going to, uh, you know, follow him his whole life to see if mankind is ready. Ready to see. Yeah. To, right. To have their whole paradigm shifted and um you know william mendez his co-author says that charlie failed charlie failed the test um you know one one being that um well he says charlie failed the test therefore all of man failed the test you know he saw they saw that his family was terrified didn't you know want him going out of the car and going to the crowd charlie Charlie hadn't communicated to them enough that it was a safe environment. It was okay. Right. And so that was part of the, maybe the, what the part he should have played in it. If there was any kind of part he could have played was to prepare them to say, this might happen. You know, I, I, they might, and who knows, who knows if they had what conversations he had with his wife sure. about it. Right. Right. That is, that's super interesting to think that maybe perhaps maybe he, he did, fail something which and also you take into account um not charlie but um calvin calvin's Uh account of what happened with the woman in the end you know finally the confrontation what finally came to happen between him and her was that another fail a failure of humanity was it something you know what i mean it could have been a hallucination it probably didn't i mean it could have injured whatever this being was but maybe it was all part of a test that that we failed as well as well that's very true like kind of like dealing with a dog like i want to 
I want to think about purchasing or purchasing. I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, adopt, adopting this dog. I'm going to foster it for a little bit, but then that dog turns out to be a very violent animal. Um, and you decide, you know what, this dog isn't for me. I, I have kids or I have, you know, family that I don't want it attacking or being violent toward. So uh, we talk about, I don't know, maybe all this, that's what it's for is to help get us ready. That's why they're, the abductions are happening in the first place to, to bury something, to pull something, uh, out of our deep psyche, our deep consciousness to, to mm-hmm. prepare us as a species. Cause maybe if they just appeared in the sky, we'd all shit our pants and shoot nuclear bombs at them and just ruin right. our planet in the process, you know, just exactly. freak out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's funny. Do you remember that movie Signs with uh, Mel mm-hmm. Gibson? Um, Mel Gibson and Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, yeah. So so we saw that, you know, that was on some streaming service. And um, my wife, you know, Anna wanted to watch it. So, so we ended up watching it last night. And it was so strange and surreal, like, watching this movie again after, like, 15 years. I hadn't seen mm-hmm. it in so long. And... And like, you know, thinking about all this research, thinking about Calvin and, and Charlie, and uh, it was just a crazy, I don't know, it was, it was wild watching it because... Even how synchronicities play a role in that movie, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, I mean, j- just a lot of what was in the movie compared to like concepts and and descriptions and things, you know, that, that happened with Charlie and Calvin, it was it was pretty wild. Uh, but one thing I do want to bring up, like, you know, in the movie, uh, Mel Gibson's son, the the oldest son, he has this book. He he gets this book uh, about extraterrestrials. It's pretty much these scientists oh, yeah. speculating about what would happen if we were to be visited. And right. he said he said there were two options. You know, one, they would come and visit us in the spirit of exploration, mm. or two they would be here uh, as invaders that did not have good intentions, that they probably used all the resources of wherever they came from, and they're here right. to, to harvest our planet. And he mentioned that they wouldn't use their technology to, you know, seemingly, you know, shoot us and kill us and whatever. They would come down and use hand-to-hand combat uh, because if they did it any other way, then you know we would just nuke them, and yeah. that would that would destroy the planet, and it would be useless to them, right? Right. Um, and, well, exactly. That makes total sense. So. Yeah. Well, and and two, what you know, and and that is extremely interesting. But also for me, even though that makes a whole lot of sense, I'm also thinking of it as but maybe they're not from another planet and they're not interested in like, they don't have any need for like running out of resources. They don't, they have infinite resources. Yeah, exactly. So like what, I don't know, man, what, what do you think? I mean, I know earlier you mentioned, um, there is no, there is no, uh, telling why, but it's what happened. Mm-hmm. But I do want to ask and kind of bounce off ideas like, what the hell are they doing? Like, <laughs> what if, are they doing? Yeah, what right. are they doing? Like, and and if it's been happening for so long, why haven't they finally just been like, look, we're here, we exist, and, and your paradigm has shifted. Boom, it's done. 
You know what I'm saying? We had to finally do this. Yes. Yeah. Um. I don't know if I was going to say a few reasons why I talked about emotion plays a huge role in it. Mm -hmm. I've heard someone throw out the theory before sometimes that maybe they've evolved past the point of having emotion. And so mm. this is something to where they feed off of it because they that's something they have never experienced. And so oh, they're yeah, like drawn a drug. to it, like a, a moth to a flame. Exactly. They're drawn to it, right. especially certain people, because so, certain people just resonate so strongly, I feel like. And so um, maybe that plays a huge role in it. We, um, maybe the resources that they're looking for aren't natural resources from a planet, but perhaps biological resources that we don't even understand that we produce. Wow, kind of like yeah. in the Matrix, how we they use this for a battery for heat. But who knows? We might produce some conscious wave or some some electromagnetic whatever. Who knows that you right. know what I mean? That they that they need or and or just don't understand, and so they want to understand it. Right. They keep looking and they're like, fuck, we don't, what, what are, are these things? What, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, just that's wandering true. wandering around in three dimensional space, fucking yeah. each other and eating food and loving it. Like, <laughs> what is food? You know? <laughs> they just keep reproducing. What are they doing? <laughs> yes. They can reproduce. <laughs> so awesome. maybe that's what it is. It's, you know, they, they keep popping in. But also at the same time, <laughs> There seems to be more to it than that. There seems to be a, a spiritual aspect to it as well. It's not yes. just the scientific. Yeah. A, it's you know, the, it's the, not just the a sci-fi thing. Not, yeah. Yes. I think there's reasoning behind Maybe perhaps two people have thrown out the idea. What if it's what we will evolve to be in hundreds of thousands of years? And they're just making sure that whatever, you know, that, that whatever's supposed to happen for them to exist happens, you know, oh, then. Yeah. That's the role they play, kind of like a, a interdimensional bodhisattva, you know, a Buddhist who foregoes mm -hmm. enlightenment to, to stay in the world, to help other people reach enlightenment, to be born over and over and over again. Maybe that's what the role they're playing, and we don't understand it yeah. fully, but who knows, they're, they're testing, experimenting, they're messing with our consciousness, our um or breeding if they're taking you know sperm samples and things like that who knows what if they're mixing their dna with our own and creating you know what i mean something yeah because these people clearly have a connection mm -hmm. with these these beings that they meet it's not just this they, they said it's strictly business but it also doesn't sound like it's strictly business because this woman uh was drawn to um I, can, I always remember Charlie's name, and I can never remember <laughs> Calvin. Calvin's name. And my brother is named Caleb, which is another name for Calvin. So why the fuck can I remember Calvin? <laughs> what, what would you say are some of the things you would think that they're here? Why would they? Why they would do this to someone, especially oh, two Southern guys in the seventies who wouldn't wouldn't be able to, you know what I mean? Have the resources to. Right. I guess that's why they wouldn't appear to the president and do it to the president because they want just a regular old Joe Schmo to see how. Yeah, you know, and people, you know, I, I hate when people say this, but you know, they're like, why, why do aliens only abduct country bumpkins? You know, and, yes. But I mean, if you think about it, I don't know. It's kind of the maybe the average intelligence that we have on the planet, and they just look for that medium. You know, um, like me and my wife were talking about putting in hardwood floors and we're like, well, we don't want the cheapest, but we don't want the most expensive. We want yeah. right in the yeah. middle, you know, just like with everything. You just kind of want 
what's good enough. And I don't know. I see Charlie and Calvin as, you know, especially good enough. And, um, example of humanity. Yeah. You know, um, they don't have any brain defects. Um, but they're also not Albert Einstein either, but, um, you know, they're, they're the average man. And, um, I don't know, that kind of sounds dumb, but, um, as far as theories on what they're doing, I mean, my God, they range from, you know, just hybrid, you know, making hybrid beings to, um, you know, if they're interdimensional, like what if, you know, you kind of brought up something, you said something earlier that kind of made me think like, what if they're doing, if they're, if they're timeless, what if they're doing experiments on time? You know, the effects of time, like, hey, we found these, these beings that are subject to time. They, they are, they can't escape it. And we're going to, cause like you even mentioned before, like what if the abduction actually happened first and then they went back, right? you know what I mean? And and then they started fucking with them as kids, you know, (laughs) they wouldn't have any way of understanding or grasping that. Yeah. Uh, that's so crazy. That, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it, do, it wouldn't even have to follow our timeline. Right. They could just be, they could, could have done it in any order or direction they wanted. Yep. And the only thing that makes me th- might think that that isn't true is that uh, Calvin does say that every time he sees the female being, she looks older. Older, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, they could have a way to you know, um, show themselves as they want to, to us. Who, who knows, you know, True, and it could have just been his own mind trying to grasp the concept of seeing her after, you know what I mean? Yep. That's who true knows? too. Or right. they, they could appear to us. However, however they so choose at the same, you know, because mm-hmm. other people's experiences, it's like they have a, they have an idea for what they want to look like yep. and appear as, but not everyone's are exactly the same. Even like on, uh, we just finished watching the documentary Hellier. You know what I mean? The Kentucky oh, man, Goblins. Mm-hmm. They're very um, similar to the Greys, but they're different. They have ears. They have, you know what I mean? There's things that make them also stand out. Right. And so I think it also involved, like I said, it's not just this thing that happens. There's this spiritual aspect to it that involves the person that is being abducted. It's like it plays itself out in their mind somehow. So it's almost like a waking dream or something it's it's between realities yeah that's a that's a good way of putting it and who's to say that this quote-unquote craft isn't actually like this thin space between dimensions Mm. that you know that they're entering um you know it just appears as a craft um and that's something, too, that I wanted to bring up with you, um, and I'll discuss this um, in the podcast, or in this part, too, but uh, I think I brought it up to you, but the fact that, let's go over this, Nathan, like, okay, the fact that Charlie, you know, he's born uh, in the 30s, I believe, he was born in 1931, I think, mm-hmm. but I probably have that wrong, but anyway... You know, he has these experiences, uh, one from an unknown age, another time when he was like, uh, shit, um, he was six or seven. Uh, then he had another experience when he was 16. And of course, um, then, then uh, you know, Calvin has an experience where Charlie's actually present. 
Then, of course, they get abducted. Charlie has subsequent experiences. Also, Calvin. You know, Calvin was born in 54, I think. And he also has has an experience when he's six, has another one when he's nine, has another one when he's 12 or 13. Uh, and that's when Charlie was actually present. And then they get abducted. Now, here's the thing. Here's what's so crazy. Now, these, these are two seemingly separate instances where two men who do happen to know each other later in life, but they're both having these experiences with these unknown beings, right? And then in 1973, well, even before the abduction in 73, they're together fishing, and Calvin sees that female being again. You know, Charlie doesn't see her, but he's there. And then, of course, a few years later in 1973, they both get abducted, and they both, on the craft, see each being that has been following them since childhood. Right. That's so crazy. Like, that blows my mind. I, it took me, like, months after reading all three of their books, like, to, to realize that. Like, holy shit, they both saw both both of their beings on the same ship. So, I mean, do both... Do the beings know each other? Are they in cahoots? Are they, you know <laughs> right. what I mean? It, well, and it wouldn't be random. It, it wouldn't make sense for, you know? Yeah. And so what, what is, like I said, it, it's, it's part of some story. It's not like it's just this random thing where the ship flies by our planet and says, oh, I'm going to come abduct these two guys in Pascagoula. It's not right. like that. You know what I mean? No. Exactly. It, it's it's planned. It was um and that and that's another thing that kind of points to a timeless creature like they could see in time a point where these two men were going to be together alone somewhere. And they said, "All right, well that'll be the time we go and get them." Right, get both of them. Right. <laughs> and they're together. And 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 if if the beings didn't know each other or they you know I, like what happened? Did did they like, you know? I mean, let's let's take this on the most simple, the most simplest level possible. Like, let's say both beings are, uh, I don't know, FBI agents, and they're two, they're both working on two separate cases, and then they find a clue that kind of joins the two cases. They meet each other to kind of talk about each other's case and how they might be connected. And then they realize, like, oh, you're, so you're following this guy? Oh, well, we're following this guy. Hey, you know what? Why don't we team up and, uh, <laughs> you know. Resources and, yeah. And, yeah. Like, let's team up and, um, you know, let's scoop them up down by the Pascagoula River and do our investigation. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I could definitely see that. It, it's, it's crazy. The, the why of it. Why, why did this happen? Them, and especially today, I'm of all people. Um, but since they played a role in each other's lives, it's definitely, you know, strange that the experiences connected these beings to each, and how one had a, a more of a, a better experience, or the other had more of a negative experience. You know? Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. One was sort of violent uh, at the end. It's like and, a good cop, bad cop thing. <laughs> And I'll be interested to hear the interview because I would want to ask him. Hey. Yeah, I, I would say just to be able to ask him: Has he? Is was that it? Did he have that experience with her? 
it was violent. It was rough. It was, you know, in no way a good experience. And then that's it. Is it done? Has he been messed with anymore? Has she said, holy crap, this guy fucked me up. I'm going to leave him alone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, that could possibly be, man. Um, because, you know, under hypnosis, it was revealed, you know, the the um, hypnotist asked him, you know, what what is the expression on... I thought it was a genius question because he talks about, you know, grabbing her by the neck and beating her head against the wall. Um, and, and the hypnotist asked him, what's the expression on her face? And he says, you know, pure shock. <laughs> Oh shit, this guy's got me by the head. <laughs> yeah. He is fucking me up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Which I mean, think about it, man. If you're like taking care of this wild animal that you're trying to break, mm. and then suddenly it's just like a, a grizzly bear. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. It I mean, breaks loose of its chains and starts mauling you. Yeah. I mean, Joe Exotic, you know, he. he <laughs> You know, it, it grabbed his foot. That tiger grabbing his foot and dragging him. He's got he's got to shoot at it and stuff. You know, that's a terrible example. But you know, um, you know, I gotta mention a hot topic on my podcast. But um, you know, it'd be a dog or yeah, a bear. You're trying to train at a zoo or in a circus, and it just says, "Fuck this circus! I'm gonna, you know, maul you to death." Yes. These people shock me. They they chain me up. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I would just be interested to see, you know, so from that standpoint, the way it makes it sound like this was not something she was ready for. It happened. And, and, you know, and from other things that I've heard too, uh, recently too, apparently, um, maybe these things can be injured. Maybe they can get hurt, bleed, and possibly die, you know? Right, right. Which is also very interesting to think and then if you killed one what the fuck would happen would they would other ones find out and come and walk you know what i mean or oh yeah um exactly and i mean is this like um you know is this a thing that like wherever they're from you know let's let's go with the interdimensional thing do they live in this world where like what they're doing is like super secret you know do they have their own like special forces or you know CIA these black ops type thing and it's like a you know they're like a seal team it's like all right you you're going in you know the risk you could die you could not come back you know you know i don't know yeah, yeah, exactly. Are they, uh, it's like Stargate. Opposite. They're coming to our world. Oh, we lost Bertha to another crazy Pascagoula guy. Yeah. Beat her head against the wall. And- <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when she came back, you know, when she went back to wherever she was from, I mean, Jesus Christ, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, did she go back and see her other beings and they were like, oh my God. Melissa, what happened? what happened to you, you know? And it's crazy to think that her, her at least someone's willpower was strong enough to break whatever. It, apparently there was a chemical, mm. uh, the pinching of the arm, yes, you know what I mean? That relaxed them, yeah. Also, oh, it yeah. Also it, like there was a mental aspect to it, too, like a, a telepathy or something that would call them. And for him to have the, the mind power to, to shut that off, and not only turn it off but then to grab her and then oh man yeah 
I mean, he fought through the fear, obviously, or either the fear became so great that he was, he just let go of all. Anything that was holding him back. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that held him back. He was just like, fuck this. I am so done with this. I don't care if I die or we both die. Yes. This is going to be over now. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever happens, happens. I'm just done with it and I'm going to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think the entity was ready for that. Mm-hmm. And that's part, I think that's the only instance I've ever heard of that in an abduction. Have you ever heard of anyone else having that kind of thing happen to where they actually fight back and injure or kill the creature? Never. I have always heard, um, you know, that the person is e- either always incapacitated to, a, to the point where they're paralyzed or they're right. strapped. They're strapped down. Um, that's that's it. Um, now there is the case, uh, and it's actually in uh, Charlie's first book. But there is the case. I wish I could remember the guy's name, but I think it happened in Brazil, where he has an extremely similar um, uh, experience, where these like almost robotic creatures take him on a craft, and when he gets on the craft, he is approached by a female like being um looks very human but he can tell it's it's not human and she she actually ends up now this is his account i'll have to tell you about it sometime but according to his account the female being approaches him seduces him and they they end up having sex right there on the craft and as soon as he you know injects his sperm um That's it. Like she pushes them away. We are done. My business here is done, and and they let him go. <laughs> like I said, it always goes back to the DNA. Something. So if that was a similar or same being, her job was there to get sperm, while another one was apparently was blood. You know. Yeah, so, that's that's right. And, and in that in that same story, I want to say that. Um, they came, I could be wrong, but I think they came back, abducted him again, and showed, she showed him that she was pregnant. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was amazing. That's so cool. Is that not fucking nuts? That it would happen to someone, you know, and it'd be so similar. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like we talked about, these experiences, you know, if it was everyone had a different experience, one person saw a gray and a person saw a blue, another person saw a praying mantis while another person saw a golden monkey you know it would be one thing but the fact that everyone's experiences are the same it's these green or not green but gray creatures wrinkles they always use the words wrinkles at some point in time right big eyes dark eyes exactly Mm -hmm. um you know and that that includes everyone's experiences even some of my own you know it's yeah it's weird that it plays into that or the the shadow person like you talk about experiencing you know it's it's mm-hmm. maybe people will see a different hat but it's sometimes it's always a fucking hat yeah you know it's very weird yeah what makes it like that and that alone gives some credibility to it it's not just this random thing there is something to it that could be explained scientifically it for mm-hmm. some form or fashion i feel like it could be oh yeah for sure for sure well, what else we got? We got anything else? <laughs> no, I was going to say, I think I'm got two children getting ready to, to kill each other, and yeah. I don't want to record myself yelling <laughs> obscenities at like my it. child. Again, so. 
Totally get it. Um, all right. Well, awesome. I mean, thank you so much. This, this has actually been a really good conversation. I think this is the most extens- extensive we've got, you know, you know, just you and I talking about it. Right. Yeah. Just letting it organically flow. I like that. It's been, oh yeah. We, we have more topics than I've even thought. We, we've talked about stuff that I haven't thought about until we started talking about it today. So that's pretty cool. Exactly. It is. Well, man, I appreciate you. Um, I, I again, I just you know I really wanted someone I can bounce some ideas off of and speculation with, and um, and you are by far my number one to go to for that type of stuff. So I really appreciate you. Definitely, anytime. Um, shoot, I'm loving the podcast. I've been listening, trying to get other people to listen. Thank you, thank you. Well, man, I appreciate it. Um, go take care of your kids. So send me a voice message. I'll talk to you later. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Hey, is this Calvin? It is. How you doing today? Hey, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm doing great. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. Um, can you hear me okay? So, Calvin, first off, I kind of wanted to um, begin with setting the scene for the day of um, October 11th, 1973, um, you know, because reading your book and uh, Charlie's book, it seems that, you know, this might not have ever happened, um, or at least there was a lot of chances where this uh, could have uh, never taken place. You know, Charlie approaches you at work, ask if you want to go fishing, and you tell him right off the bat, no, I really don't want to go, uh, these these bugs are eating me up. Um, you know, he convinces you he's got bug spray. Then you tell him you don't have any fishing gear. He says that you can use his. Um, then, you know, even when you guys set out to go fishing, he decides not to go to the original spot he told you about with the grain elevator, um, he wants to go to this other spot that's closer to his apartment and that place has a no trespassing sign, which you even point out and, and voice to him, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea. We shouldn't be press trespassing. And, um, you know, and he says, no, it's fine. And then you guys get there. And, and even when you're there fishing, you're not even catching any fish and you tell him, let's go to the other spot with the grain elevator you know, we're not catching anything here. And then you guys get abducted. And, I, you know, it's just one of the first things I, I recognized uh, reading the books is, um, man, there were so many opportunities for this abduction to never even take place. Um, do you ever, have you ever thought about that? Do you think it would have ever taken place um, if you got, if, if Charlie would have just listened to you or if you would have just pressed him a little harder? Yeah, I thought about it a lot. And uh, what should have been a thing for me to turn around was that trespassing sign. I shouldn't have yeah. ever broke the law, went out and trespassed on private property. And that's what a man gets when he breaks the law like that. Normally, you know, I have pretty high moral standards. And I won't do something that I don't feel like is right. And from the day that I got off over there, I, from the time we started going fishing, they was red flags. And I didn't even know what an alien or a UFO or a abduction was back then. But they were still red flags. You know, we should have went home, ate supper, went to bed and got some red. 
Now you describe um, being taken on this craft, you and Charlie, um, uh, two creatures, uh, two of these creatures grab Charlie, one grabs you, you get taken aboard, you don't see Charlie anymore. Um, you describe actually being uh, scanned by this um, rectangle or square object, looks like a deck of cards. Um, and then what's so interesting is you describe um, a small human-like being coming in and, um, and you describe this sensation of feeling safe. And, you know, I just wonder, you know, did that sensation, was that a, do you think that was a forced sensation or do you think that you felt a little more safe because this creature was uh, more familiar, um, was more human-like than these other robotic creatures? You know, I've said this on a media show. If I'd been in a bar and a drinking man had a few drinks, I would have probably asked him out on a date or something. That's just how normal she looked. Now, the other one was just a big, ugly-looking creature, and that's what I call him, the big, ugly one. He had skin, I want to say, more like a, uh, Charlie said like a uh, elephant, but I say more like a uh, manatee. But he was more robotic. I'm, I'm pretty sure he was robotic because he moved mechanically. Mm-hmm. It acted like he was waiting on somebody to think for him. But this uh, female-looking creature, you know, now she could have had a mask on or something. I don't know. But she sure. was more normal. It was something more normal to me. And the saving part about it, the thing that she thought or that she telepathically said was in like a little southern redneck voice, you know, something that I was kind of used to back in a little country. So she seemed real to me with the other one did. Now, you mentioned these creatures that took you and Charlie aboard the craft. You know, you, you describe them, um, and Charlie describes them as uh, being robot-like. Um, looking back... Um, you know, do you do you think that they were these inanimate beings? Uh, you know, like you you described, like do you think they were robots? Um, you know, that were there to kind of do a job, like you said, um, almost like they were waiting on a command. Um, do you believe they were just uh, kind of like robots that were there to do a job? That's exactly what I think. I think that they was probably one intelligent being on the craft. And she had these robots to uh, help her out. And to do the heavy lifting. Yeah, whatever her, whatever she told them to do, I feel like that's what they've done. Now, it was revealed in several uh, hypnotic regression therapy sessions that you had actually seen uh, the female creature before. Um, once when you were, that we know of, when you were nine, and another time when you were about 12 or 13. Yes, sir, that's correct. And, uh, you know, I felt like through all my childhood and all, except it was more like an illusion, but it was the same one. You know, Charlie, in his book, um, you know, it's revealed in regressive therapy uh, hypnosis that... um, that he was also, um, you know, had a lot of experiences with these um, unknown beings uh, throughout his childhood and throughout his life. Um, you know, you had this female being 
that obviously interacted with you throughout your childhood from a very early age, you know. Um, and a lot of people comment, uh, just like the beginning of this interview, they say that, man, if y'all would have never gone fishing that night, this would have never happened. Uh, but, you know, I think considering that, you know, you had this female being watching you since early childhood throughout your life, um, and Charlie also had these other unfamiliar beings that, um, you know, apparently interacted with him throughout his childhood and throughout his life. Um, you know, me personally, I think that, uh, I think you guys, I think the abduction was almost inevitable, uh, whether, you know, whether it, if y'all had, if y'all had not gone fishing that night, um, I think at some point in, in both of your lives, uh, whether together or separate, you would have still been abducted. Um, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? I really believe that's true. And, and another, another thing, I just drove down from law. That was my first day of work and to see Charlie again in years. You know, mm-hmm. Charlie was really good friend, friends with my father. I, I didn't know him, you know, any other way. Well, actually, to be honest, you know, I didn't like him a whole lot because he was a lot older than I was. Right. And I got him good with his kids and all. But as far as Charlie, he was friends of my father. And the day before this happened, I hadn't seen Charlie in years. He had been down here working. I needed a job, so I came down here. And that same day we went to work, the same day this happened. So they might have been waiting for us to get together. Now, in your second book, um, you know, it is also revealed in, you know, a regression therapy session that... um, you you go aboard this craft and you see this female being again. You you even describe her as looking older, um, and and you mention that you know this time she's crazy, and um, you know you guys get into a scuffle. I mean, you guys fight, um, and you describe what seemingly sounds like a a near death experience. Um, you also have uh, what you describe as visions of the future, um, but this is all. Um, kind of after what you describe as her um, either in, injecting something you or, or replacing your blood is how you describe it. You felt like um, you had this, um, you know, bad burning sensation all over your body, all throughout your body, and it felt like she was replacing your blood, you said. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? What do you, do you have any theories of what she might have been doing? Well, I don't know, but uh, I do know that my arm was split and I was bleeding out through my hands and I could hear the blood drip, drip, dripping on the floor and I think I just bled out. And I believe she, mm. she done that. You know, I think they was kind of changing my blood out for some reason. Now, even back in, um, in 1973, on October 11th, uh, the first time you were abducted, didn't, didn't that female being also cut your hand at that point as well? Uh, I had a cut on my hand mm-hmm. when this happened. And, uh, you know, it actually got a little bit physical there for a little while. Because right. it, I can't explain why. But I just felt like I was in danger after a few minutes in there. And this, uh, right. they actually gave us an injection when we went aboard. And that calmed us down, and that was starting to wear off. 
I got to where I could move some. So we actually got kind of in a physical competition. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, and it all started with her um, aggressively shoving her fingers um, up your nose, right? Well, she brought uh, her two middle fingers off her right hand down my throat and tried to come up in my nasal passage. And I and I started choking and smothering, and I started throwing up blood, and I couldn't breathe. And uh, that's where most of the panic started coming from. Okay, I got you. Um, and this is the first experience. This, um, you know, we're we're back in October eleventh, nineteen seventy three, when you first encountered this being, um, and she just, you know, puts her fingers up your nose, and it's very uncomfortable. Um, you know, because I, in your, um, in one of your books, um, I know there's a Bud Hopkins, um, you know, hip, hypnotic regression therapy session where it seems like both of those memories merge where. You know, he takes you back to October 11th, 1973, and you, you start talking about seeing this woman, and then you start talking about, um, you know, while under hypnosis, about being in a big scuffle and grabbing her by the throat and banging her head, but um, the scuffle didn't happen on the on the first abduction, correct? No, sir, it wasn't. Uh, in that one, you know, she just run her fingers down my throat, and I started bleeding, and I couldn't breathe, and... In 1993, the other one you've talked about, we actually got into it physically. And Mm -hmm. I actually, man, I was going to strangle her or grab her around the neck and jump out that craft if I could have found a way out. Right, because you were thinking, I'm going to kill you even if it means killing myself. Right. And then I would have the proof in my hand. Because I don't feel like it. Right. A lot of people say, well, I wish I had to happen to me. You've been blessed. It ain't been no blessing to me. I can promise you that. Every one of my abductions has been uh, physical and confrontational. So, wow. you know, I always said, yeah, I wish it had happened to you, too. <laughs> so they could know that it's not a blessing. Right. You know, wow. here some people say, well, these things are good, and they might be some. I mean, they like people here on earth. You got some good people. You got some medium people, you know. Then you got some mm-hmm. really wicked people here. And it's the same mm-hmm. thing as I'm sure their races are about the same as what it is here. You got the good, the bad, and the real ugly, as Clint Eastwood would say. Now, during your second abduction, um, you described the female being, um, this is in 1993, you described the female being um, giving you uh, seemingly a vision of the future, as you describe, um, and it's quite terrifying. Um, Do do you mind describing what you saw, Calvin, and do you know, um, you know, do you have any thoughts on why she allowed you to see this? You know, I don't know, but I've seen the world just being consumed in fire and everything, you know, explosions. It, it, it was a terrible thing. I hate to even think of it right now because it's so real. I've seen the yeah. human race destroying itself. And, uh, wow. Then you look around today and you kind of see that it, see it going on right now. Now, in Charlie's book, um, he clearly, uh, believed that the beings that abducted you both were from another planet. They were extraterrestrial. 
Um, whereas in your books, um, you never, you know, you never give any speculation about what these beings may be, what you think they may be. Um, you know, you just kind of give a straightforward story and tell it how it is. Um, so I'm curious, you know, do you think that these beings were from another planet? Um, you know, were they extraterrestrial or, um, do you have a more open-minded view on it, whereas uh, they could be interdimensional beings, you know, beings from another dimension? What are your thoughts? Now, I don't know this for sure, and that's why I didn't comment in my book. But mm-hmm. here here recently, within the past year and all, I'm starting to feel like they were probably from another dimension or travel interdimension. And they could be from another world, but look at the light years it would take for them to get here from another world. That's very true. They would have to have extremely advanced uh, technology. Exactly right. And um, I just don't feel like that anybody could travel that quick. But, you know, they got got here and they was in a crowd. Uh, So, you know, who knows where they're from. So if these beings are interdimensional, um, do you think they could still be present, and do you think they still have their eyes on you, Calvin? I don't feel, I don't feel like they still have their eyes on me, uh, you know, because I think they lost a lot of interest in me in 93, and I hadn't had anything else happen other than, you know, trying to get them out of my mind and trying to figure out really what happened and who we were, where they from. And that's one reason sure. I wrote the book. I actually wasn't going to write a book, but my publisher and wife just kept pushing me until I did. It's opened a lot of doors up for me. You know, this enabled me through my publisher, you know, it, it, he asked me if I could help him promote the book for a year, and I said, yeah. So in order to do that, I started making these conferences. And I found out right. they really a lot of fun to go to. You know, I've enjoyed the people there, meeting the different people, hearing their experiences and all that. Plus, it gives my wife and myself some time together. And we never had really taken vacations or anything. So it's pretty neat to go somewhere and let them pay for the uh, my plane ticket, and I pay for hers. And they put us up in a room. And, uh, you know, it's been good for my marriage, I guess what I'm trying to say. So, you know, I've enjoyed these conferences. Uh, that's excellent. Um, so it has been beneficial, you're saying, like there there has been a lot of good that has come from this experience. Exactly right. I've met some great people and got to hear their stories. Matter of fact, that UFO conference in uh, UFO Congress, we went to Arizona, and I met Paul Heineck. I talked to him for the first time, but that is uh, Dr. Heineck's uh, son. And I got to talk oh, yeah. to Paul, and I really got to see how what Dr. Heineck had to say and how he felt about this and all. And Paul's a great guy. I just love that thing to death, you know. Wow. But it, it's opened a lot of doors. You know, I got to meet. Uh, people like George now, and uh, I've enjoyed him, and he's got a lot of good advice. Paul Heineck and just everybody, most anybody that's had a, uh, a 
abduction or anything. Kathleen Martin, she's the one that hypnotized me the last time. And that's Barney and Betty Hill's niece. And I got to meet Betty and Betty Hill, not Barney, because he was dead. Um, Travis Walton, I, you know, I've heard his story and I went and seen that, uh, movie that he made or that they had made. And I never, never could pass judgment on how I felt about all that. But then I got to meet Travis at that UFO Congress. And it's just a lot of people that I've enjoyed being around. Oh, yeah, that sounds excellent. Um, I, I have no doubt that you have met um, extremely fascinating people with extremely fascinating stories, um, especially um, uh, Betty Hill and, God bless his soul, Barney. Um, but, my gosh, what an incredible story that Barney and Betty Hill had to tell. You know... I, I believe Betty Hill from the bottom of my heart. I'll tell you why. Back in that day, a white woman didn't marry a black man. So they would right. try to hide anything that they could. You know how it is down here in the South. So they wouldn't want that getting out like that. And instead, they made national news and all. Put it out there on the front line. And if she was willing to do that, I believe her. And I went and spent three days at her house with her and talked and visited. And I asked her, I said, well, how do you deal with this? This was just shortly after this happened to me. She said, Calvin, you just have to deal with it. And I guess that made a lot of sense to me. Now, going back to the benefits uh, this experience has caused, you know, this was obviously a very traumatic experience for you. You were hospitalized three weeks after uh, after the abduction. Uh, you were hospitalized, um, you know, after an emotional nervous breakdown. You were then hospitalized a second time, not long after that. Um, you know, after breaking your 45 years of silence and writing these two books and meeting all these people and getting to share your story, um, has that been cathartic for you? Has it helped your trauma? Has it even just a little bit helped you heal in any way? You know, for 45 years, I didn't even tell my wife about it. I, they knew about what went on, but we had never talked about it or anything. Then when the book come out, you know, that freed me. Uh, I went ahead. Well, I told Philip when I'd done the book, I said, well, you know, this thing's probably not going to sell but 10 copies. But, and I'll probably be the one to buy them to get to all my family and friends. That way I don't have to tell them the story. But you keep a secret from a woman for 45 years. You keep that bottled up. That keeps you in a lot of pain in your marriage. So uh, I agree. Free does up a lot. I was able to talk to her and open up, open up to my family. My friends got to hear the story for the first time last September, not last September, but September, you know, a year ago. Because that's when the book come out. The, the book in the first two weeks was Amazon's number one bestseller, and it's still right up there at the top. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I mean, you guys, you know, there's the there's the paranormal uh, UFO alien abduction community, and then there's the Pascagoula abduction community. I mean, you guys have garnered your own community, um, you know, just off of your story. I mean, people that aren't even into, you know, other 
um, things, you know, things of a strange nature. I mean, just the Pascagoula abduction has its own fan base, seemingly, um, just because it's such a detailed story. I mean, the fact that you guys reported it merely hours after it happened, um, you know, it's one of the only official government um, documents that um, that is of a, a UFO abduction investigation by uh, Keesler Air Force Base. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised your book isn't a, a New York Times number one bestseller. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I've had the Rolling Stones and everybody else tried to interview me. And to uh, be honest, I take very few interviews. And after the book come out last October, my plan was to go off grid and never be heard from again. And then we came out with a second book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked it a lot better than I did the first. Because it has a lot of evidence, it has eyewitness accounts, it has what went on, it has two hypnosis in there. And, you know, I actually enjoyed the second book. And, matter of fact, I still pick it up myself, even though I know what's in it, read it every now and then. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, both books are excellent, fantastic, um, especially the second one with all the, uh, the the alleged witnesses coming forward um, and telling their story, and especially um, what is revealed in your latest um, hypnotic regression th- uh, therapy session with Kathleen. My God, how fascinating and incredible um, all that information was and what that session revealed. I mean, man, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Oh, it, yeah, I, I've enjoyed the second one, and then the... Uh... First one, like I say, I really didn't want to write it. And there's not much more than the story in there, except Philip spent a lot of time putting uh, a lot of the news releases in there and things like that, just to show how popular this story was. Because if you think about it, it was right behind Betty and Barney Hill. And that was in the 60s. Then after us was Travis Walton. And then after him, Terry Lovelace. And, you know, it just kept going after that. But the one thing about ours is the creatures are, and I didn't, I never knew what they looked like until I started researching them after our book. But our creatures and all look a lot different than uh, what anybody else's I've seen. Right. So that's another distinct difference in the book. Well, Calvin, I have a couple more questions for you. Um, gosh, I could talk to you all day about this stuff, but I know you got better things to do. Um, what I want to bring up is the fact, um, you know, Charlie in his book um, and his um, uh, account of what happened, um, you know, he had subsequent UFO experiences, I mean, merely months after the abduction in October of 73. And his last um his last encounter that he claims um, him and his family were, were leaving his parents' house and they were driving back to the coast and their journey was interrupted by a UFO that, you know, got in front of their vehicle um, down into the highway. Um, of course, at some point it, it goes to the right of their vehicle, but nevertheless, they stop. They're looking at this UFO and Charlie is desperately wanting to get out of the car and go aboard the craft and communicate with these beings again. 
but he he can't because uh, his his wife Blanche is holding him back. She's hysterical and she's screaming and begging him not to go, and so he doesn't. Um, but but it's clear that you know he he even says something to the effect of you know I would give I would have given my arms and my legs to go and and get on that craft and communicate with these beings. So Calvin, I'm curious. I wanted to ask you if you saw that same craft that abducted you and Charlie uh, on October 11th, 1973, if that craft descended into your backyard today, how would you feel and what would you do? Well, I got a Russian bounty hunter double barrel shotgun right here. And that's the biggest person I've ever used to be honest with you. <laughs> so, you know, I have no desire to go visit or communicate with them or something. I would like to see them communicate with somebody, but it ain't going to be me unless they... But, believe it or not, I don't worry about it. Me and my wife get up at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning to go fishing. Wow. So, you know, we we just do it, and we don't let it bother us. Now, as far yeah. as Charlie's book, you know, I've never read his book. I've got copies here at the house, but I've never read his book. His case never really interests me any, mm-hmm. even though it was mine, too. But, you know, I never had an interest to read. And one thing, I was sitting right there with him. And another thing, you know, I quit talking to Charlie right after this. Uh, we, right. we spoke from, but I didn't talk to him because I thought he was the one that told the press about it, started all this bull rolling. So I didn't see yeah. no need to even talk to him because me and him talked at the pier. We, get, we sat there and said, we weren't going to tell nobody. And what does he do? Mm-hmm. There wasn't cell phones. He's the only man I know that take a nickel and tell the whole world on a pay phone. Right. So, so do you do you think it was Charlie that ultimately told the press, or do you think it was people listening in on the police with their with their police scanners? It was it was people. That I found out later it wasn't Charlie, and I felt bad about. Um, you know, having the feelings that I had toward him. But back in the 70s, everybody had these scanners, and they was nosy as hell with everything. So they'd get on these scanners and listen to see what was going on. And I'm sure that when he called again to the sheriff's department, that uh, somebody picked it up on the scanner. Right. Um and I know, you know, just from reading your books and, and um, you know, the history with you and Charlie, you know, I know you've got a good place in your heart for Charlie. Um, you know, I know in the book uh, it describes him, uh, you know, sticking with the story of you passing out. You know, that was him. You described that as him protecting you, um, you know, because, you know, you had this life you were about to start. You know, you had a fiancé and a new job and... um. So I know, you know, you guys have this history of where, you know, he's kind of this father figure to you, uh, whereas you're almost like a son to him. And we agreed on on the pair. I told him that I wasn't going to tell him nothing. I'd just tell him I don't remember. I was passed out or something. And Charlie respected me enough not to put me right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got in the middle of it, you know, much later on, but uh, it, Charlie didn't put me there. He 
he just stayed with his side of the story. He went public. That was his business. And I decided not to go public with mine. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, you were, you know, again, you were about to start this new life. You had a fiance you were about to marry. You just got this new job. Um, I mean, I think we could all understand why, you know, you chose to say to stay silent about it and, and not make a big deal about it and try to stay out of the spotlight. Yes, sir. And you're right. I mean, and back then, people's daddies wasn't real understanding when you was going to marry their daughter. You know, you jump up and tell somebody that you wrote on a UFO, they ain't about to let you marry their daughter. <laughs> well charlie uh last question here and it's kind of a cheesy one but if you were given the choice to do this all over again would you do it well i wouldn't but if i thought it was going to get somebody else and harm them and affect them the way that it did me you know yeah i would because i would want to protect everybody I could from this. So uh, it's kind of a trick question right there. As far as me wanting to, no, I would. And kind of like I say, I have that double-barrel shotgun here in case they ever want to come back. I've learned to deal with this through the years, and I wouldn't want nobody else to deal it. Look, I just turned 65 years old. My life's almost over anyhow. I believe in God, family, and... Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to put nobody else through what I had to go through with this. But right. if I can handle it better than I did. Guys, that's it. Uh, this concludes the Pascagoula incident. Uh, I hope you enjoyed. I know it's a lot. It might have been too much, but I don't care. I love doing this stuff. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, guys, real quick, before, before we end the show, I... Um, I want to give a shout out to Destiny Weeks. Um, she's a new listener and um, she has favored my podcast. And I just want to give a shout out to her and thank her. Thank you, Destiny, for the support. Destiny Weeks, thank you so much for your support, your listenership. Um, guys, if you want to support the show, if you like what you hear and you want to keep it running and you want to help me out in the production, um, aspect of this thing um you can always go to anchor.fm slash parasensory that's a-n-c-h-o-r dot f-m slash parasensory um there's a button there um on that first page that pops up it'll say support or donate or something like that guys you can donate a dollar a month that's twelve dollars a year a dollar a month as little as that um, you can cancel anytime. Um, any amount of help is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. You can also follow me on Instagram, parasensory.podcast. And you can also find me on Facebook. Just search for Parasensory. Uh, hopefully, I will have a website up soon. And um, we can just kind of expand this parasensory world we got going here. Uh, thanks for everyone who who listens. Uh, thanks thanks to Calvin. Thank you so much, Calvin Parker. Um, it's awesome to have him. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Um, thanks to Nate Dog for discussing this stuff and bouncing off ideas and speculating with me. 
And guys, just um, thank you. Thank you to anyone who's listening. Um, Really appreciate your support. All right. Tune in next time. I don't know when that'll be. But uh, until then, keep your frequency tuned to The Strange. This is Parasensory. Parasensory.